As we matriculate through life, we continue to walk through this journey and we become even more getters. We're trying to get older. We're trying to get through college. We're trying to get, we're constantly getting, we're trying constantly getting. So our first disposition is to get. God, recognizing that that is part of how we are wired, that's why Jesus said in John chapter 3, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. But then before he gets to that point, he says, however, it's important for you to understand that God, when he declared his love, he actioned. And for love to be true or real, it demands action. In other words, to love someone and then not do anything or show them isn't truly love. It may just be infatuation. Welcome to the Amity Bible Church podcast. Senior Pastor George Martin Jr. kicks off a new sermon series exhibiting the Father's attribute of giving. And in today's message, he unpacks worship through giving. Follow along in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 10, as Pastor Martin explains. A few years ago, I was in the airport. We were traveling home, and we were in the airport, and uh, there was a delay, and as we were waiting for our flight, we, my wife, who tends to be, uh, even though I'm the one that's most often in front of people, she is actually the one that's more outgoing. And so she had befriended a couple ladies in line, and, and we discovered as we talked further uh, their life and their life story. And so my wife, as the, con- the, the conversation progressed, she went into evangelistic mode, and she was trying to gain access to the knowledge of whether or not uh, this, young, this lady was a, a believer. And so she mentioned that she did have a temple that she would attend, but she says, I haven't gone in a while because I just don't have the fee to go. In her mind, whatever they, they, all, they asked for, for her was like a payment. And I find at times that's also the attitude that we may have when it comes to giving to God or to his purposes. Another story was uh, there was a member, and I love her. She's going on to be with the Lord now. And, and she said, she says, you know, Pastor, I always have to make sure I break God off his peace. <laughs> and that was just her way. She had a unique way of exhibiting what she was doing through her her words. And so what she was essentially saying that she made sure that she made it a priority to give to God and to his purposes. See, the thing that we have today as we consider this reality of worship through giving and that ultimately when we give unto God, it's not a payment because we cannot pay for what he has done. What would you put, what price would you put on your life? And then in thinking about that life in its temporal sense, you can say, hey, if I'm going to live 80 years or 90 years, if I knew what my my time frame would be, I could maybe divide that by a certain number and determine what that cost would be. But then even if you could, with a finite number, determine what you thought the value of each year of your life would be, then what value would you put on eternity? Because it does not have an end. So ultimately, we can never pay God. 
So our attitude, uh, an attitude that, that it looks at it from the standpoint of a transaction rather than an offering unto him that automatically begins down the wrong path. The Christian faith is founded upon one indelible fact, and that is, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This selfless act of generosity in giving of his very best, it develops the construct for what we know that distinguishes the one true God from all other gods of any other belief system. Because in every other system, there is a demand upon the people to give something, and it's questionable whether the God gives anything back. But here, with the one true God, he initiated his love, and then in initiating that love, he actioned. He did something that spoke of the true essence of his nature. God who loves and acts upon that love by giving, it is his, this attribute that he has that helps us to better understand what it means for us as we consider this sermon series for this month. Because in this series, the series is actually titled Exhibiting the Giving Attribute of Our Father. Exhibiting a father's attribute of giving. Because as we consider over the next few weeks, we're going to consider that God, when he said, I love you, he did something. And that's actually indicative of every love relationship. The person who questions the companion they have, when they question that love, they question that love based upon their actions or lack thereof because God so loved and he gave. Now, if you were to, when we talk about worship, because ultimately as we talk about giving to God, we have to then establish the premise that it is not just a transaction that God, you do and I do, but it is that because you have done, I do. And that's, that's important because if, you, if, it, if it's transactional, then it becomes this thing of, well, if you do, then I do. Now, before God gave me this beautiful wife that I have, I was engaged one other time. And we were matriculating through our process, and, and, and something came out, and it wasn't, a, it wasn't a blow up. It was actually just sitting there talking, and she said something that, that registered with me that did not agree with what I understand love to be. She says, if you treat me good, I'll treat you great. And I said, well, wait a minute. That's a great, that's a great, uh, wait a minute. Say that again. She says, if you treat me good, I'll treat you great. Now, I had enough understanding, Brother Keith, to know that in marriage over the course of a lifetime, some days I ain't going to be good. And if my math serves me correctly, that if I get good, for good I get great, if I just be bad, I might get horrible. <laughs> and I said, okay, we need to rethink what we're doing. Let's pray some Lord. Let's talk to the Lord about this process. 
because ultimately, if it only, if love becomes transactional, then it becomes conditional. And when love becomes conditional, it's not even love. It's just infatuation. So, if you were, when we talk about worship, worship speaks of what we, what our exchange is or what our response is to God. Now, worship is a difficult word to try and define. If you were to consult Webster or any other dictionary, you'll find that the word worship may be difficult to try to explain because you'll hear words or terms like adore, idolize, esteem, reverence, and homage. However, true biblical definition of worship can be a challenge because worship not only speaks of the action, but it is the attitude that motivates the action. Because I can action something that exhibits or it seems to suggest worship, but worship actually deals with the heart. It's the person who says, who has more than enough, who feels that writing a check for $10 is more than sufficient when it's not even enough. Because the act of it doing it actually also speaks of the attitude that's motivating the action. So the action of worship actually implores the mind, but the attitude of worship engages the heart. God has revealed through his word that he alone is to be worshiped. And he alone is to be exalted into a place where no other. But it's important to understand that when we see here in the text where it says, honor the Lord, we'll find that honor also uses some of the same terms. Respect, reverence, esteem. So when we, when we see here in the Proverbs and when it says, honor the Lord, essentially it's saying, worship the Lord with even your possessions. Let's get into this. Turn, look at verse number nine. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all of your increase. So there's a key note that helps to establish us for this morning, and that key note is that worship and honor are synonymous. And, and to convey that to you, I've got a couple definitions that I want you to see, and I want you to see the similarities between the two so that you understand that worship and honor, when he says honor the Lord, he's saying worship the Lord. Here's, here's a couple definitions. First one is, was worship. It's an act or an express or an act of expressing reverence, the feeling or expression of reverence and or adoration for, or a deep respect for someone or something. That's our definition for worship. Now let's look at honor. Showing of merited respect, high respect, great esteem, adherence to what is right or to a conventional standard of conduct. 
So honoring God, worshiping God are synonymous because in both cases, it deals with the heart and the heart that motivates the action. Now, first, I want to start with this first point because I feel it necessary for us to know this before we go any further. The first point that I want to make today is that worship signifies knowledge of. Here's what the Bible says in Psalm 150. It says, and let, let everything that has breath do what? Praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. So then if we take that and we apply it to creation, then, we, then that would suggest that everything that has breath has the capacity, whether it has the knowledge to understand it, but has the capacity to praise God. Even the cow in his moo can praise God. But he does not know God to be his creator. So worship goes beyond praise because it speaks of knowledge. Now, I need you to see this because Jesus uh, actually helps to clear this up for us. Uh, turn, if you would, to John chapter 4. Jesus is, is with the disciples. He says, I must need go through Samaria. He goes into Samaria, and he's sitting there, and they go off to get something to eat. And while they're gone, he comes back. When they come back, he's talking with a woman, the woman at the well. And at the well, he begins a conversation and a dialogue, but, but in the midst of this conversation, he actually helps us to understand worship and its context. If you look at verse 22 through 24, John chapter 4, verse 22 to 24, he says, you worship what you do not know. But we know what we worship. He says, listen, you guys up here, you got to, because what, what, what he was basically speaking to was that Samaritans were half Jew and the Jews did not have any dealings with them. So they didn't get all of the instructions and the teach. They had a bit of information, but not a lot. So he says, you guys are worshiping up here, but you don't know because he says salvation comes from the Jews. He, but then he goes on and says something. He says that, but the hour is coming and now is when the true Worshippers will worship the Father in spirit, and here it is, in knowledge of. Worship has to include knowledge. You have to have a knowledge who is because the person who does not know God cannot come and worship him because you have to have context for who he is. Oh, I can lay, they can engage in hand raising and singing, but it, there's something about having a relationship where your heart is speaking out of what you know. Here's what happened to me. I was on a flight, and there was a gentleman who was a highly educated man. He was a scientist. And he said to me, he says, hey, uh, what do you do for a living? I said, well, I'm a minister. He says, oh, wow, okay. He says, you know what? I got a few questions for you. He said, I like doing this because, he says, my wife is a Christian. I'm an atheist. And, and my friend, her pastor, is. Uh, I love to get them uh, in these questions or these, this dialogue. So for an hour, he kept asking me questions, and I was responding with Scripture. But here's what, what I got to, at, at the end of all of this, Brother James. I realized that he wasn't looking for the word. He was looking for a witness. So here's what I told him. I said, I said, listen, 
you might be much more intelligent than I am. And you may have much more information than you believe that I have. But let me tell you something. The reason I know Jesus is real because one day I met him. And when he came into my heart, I have never been the same. And if that ain't enough, I don't know what else I can tell you. And then after I told him my testimony, Brother Freeman, I said, I'm going to go ahead and give me a nap now because I'm tired. <laughs> he nudged me as the flight was coming to an end. He said, we're, all, we're getting ready to land. He says, you know, I like you. Can I get your email address? He says, because every time that I would raise these questions with my wife and her pastor, they would get so angry. And they would have veins sticking out. He says, but you didn't do that. I want to know more about what you said. See, people of God, the Bible says you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come up on you to be what? A witness. You don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to argue the scriptures. You don't have to try to argue the truth. You don't have to prove that God is real. You just have to tell them what has he done in your life. Because, see, worship starts with knowledge of who he is. And when I know him a while, I can talk about him. Talk to him. Talk to him and talk about him. That moves me to my second point. Brother Tommy, I'm almost done, y'all. Because, you know, you talk about, you talk about giving. Y'all be like, oh, he's going to be preaching. Oh. I'm almost done. I got three points. And I'm on the second one now. The second one is giving exemplifies our new God nature. Giving exemplifies, exemplifies our God nature. So we come into this world. Each one of us come into the, comes into this world as a getter or a taker. Think about the baby that comes in. It needs to have things given in order to survive. As we matriculate through life, we continue to walk through this journey and we become even more getters. We're trying to get older. We're trying to get through college. We're trying to get, we're constantly getting, we're trying, constantly getting. So ultimately our, our first disposition is to get. However, God recognizing that that is part of how we are wired that's why Jesus said in John chapter 3, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. But then before he gets to that point, he says, however, it's important for you to understand that God, when he declared his love, he actioned. Because one of the things that we wrestle with when it comes to Giving to God is, is, is we have to reconcile the fact that naturally we're going to want to get. What can you do for me, God? We, we look for churches. We say, what, is that, what can that church do for me? What are you guys going to do? What do y'all do over here? Do y'all help saints when they get in trouble? Because the first thing we understand is that for God so loved the world, he 
gave. He said, I love you, and then something followed. Because here's the reality of love. There will always be corresponding actions that follows love. If you're wondering if the person that you're dating loves you, just watch the actions. You can pray for wisdom and discernment and strength to walk away, but when it's clear, it's just clear. I'm going to tell you, listen, I told you that, that, that first engagement. Brother James, I, I had to, I, I was, it was Valentine's Day. And I had gone up to visit. I did, my wife is from Detroit, and, and that, that, that's where the, your fiancé was. I, I didn't know that my real wife was in Detroit. That, that, that was. But I had, but I had, I had traveled up to, to be there, and on Valentine's Day, they said, you know what? I think we're, this ain't going to work. And five hours, I'm driving back home from, from, from Detroit. Now, here, here's how it works, brothers, to, make, to, to, to add insult to injury. Another brother of mine who were both Christian brothers who were single, he said, well, it's Valentine's Day. He didn't know I had to travel up there, and he also didn't know I was on my way back. So he called me. He says, hey, man, what are you doing? I know it's Valentine's Day. Your fiance is out of town. What do you want to do? What are you doing? I said, man, I, I'm actually driving back right now. He says, well, hey, let's grab something to eat. So we go to a, a very nice restaurant, a steakhouse, and we go in, and we're sitting down. And so Brother Kendrick, they, they said, uh, well, we, we're really busy. You know, you don't have a reservation. But no, we just decided to pop in here. So they, they said, well, all we have is bar seating, and they had just this little table. Two big old men sitting at this table, knee to <laughs> We're sitting at this little table, knee to knee, right, <laughs> on Valentine's Day. And this man, I don't know, he, he, he just must not be self-aware at all. He says, man, you know what? They got some of the best chocolate-covered strawberries. <laughs> you already know where it's going, don't you? So here's what happened. David, when they, when they brought him out, they put the plate out, and the guy said, I got two plates for y'all. I said, sir, no, there's no two plates. Those are his. We ain't on a date. <laughs> orders chocolate-covered strawberries for two men on Valentine's Day. I wanted to leave him in there right then. I thought, you know what, I'll just, just leave you up in here. But I had to accept that what I was beginning to see was clear. So whether it was Valentine's Day or any day, I had to say, this is not it. That, that's still traumatized. Even if, <laughs> some, some time later, me and my wife went to that restaurant, and I walked past the bar, it was like, <laughs> like it was that table right there. <laughs> so we, love shows itself, and it's clear. You know, you, can make, you see the distinction. But here's another thing is that when we talk about giving, giving reveals an attribute of God because for God so loved the world he gave so we know that it's an attribute that we see of him that he, 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 he gave, he gives. And there's a few things that I want you to see because this nature of God to give is evident in multiple places in the scriptures. One I want to start with is 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. I don't want you to turn there but they're going to put it on the screen. Just see this. It says, behold what manner of love the Father has Bestowed, that's give. He just, he gave it. But beloved, what manner of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. 
the God of all creation bestows upon us the title and the merit to walk around and say, I'm a child of the God of all creation. He just gave that. Here's another one. Look, Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23. He says, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. Here it is. They are new every morning that he renews your mercy account every morning. He just does that. Why? Because he's faithful. Not because we're faithful. He renews it every morning out of his own faithfulness. Because, you know, there's times I've gotten down on my knees and closed my eyes for the night. I forgot all about them mercies and didn't even ask. But thanks be to God. Because he's faithful. He just renews the account each morning. Here's one more. And, and, and even as you're trying to understand and navigate life, James chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, For if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, but wait a minute, who gives it how? Liberally. He just pours it out. If you ask him, he's going to give you the wisdom you need. And it does not reproach you for asking. So we see that his attribute is to give because he loves. For God so loved, he gives. And here's the reality that we have is that those who have put their faith in Christ Jesus, if you're writing notes, this is a good one for today. We have been given God's divine nature through regeneration. or being born again. So as I told you, we come into the world, we're coming into the world, we come in to get. We're trying to get all we can. But then Jesus says that in order for you to see the kingdom, you must first be born again. So back to that John 3, he says in verse 3, he says, Jesus answered and said to him, most surely I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of heaven. He said, so this idea of giving and moving away from your nature of getting to, to the nature of giving, you will only see that once you've come into the knowledge of who he is, and the only way to come into the knowledge of who he is is to be born again. To truly know who he is. You may have information about him, but when you have him, you have true knowledge of him. Here's another. So later on in that same third chapter, he, in verse 7, he says, But do not marvel that I say to you, you must be regenerated or you must be born again. What does that mean, Pastor Barton? In the spiritual sense, it means that God brings a person to or into new life from a previous state of being separated from God and subject to the decay of death, but now to this hope of eternal life. So ultimately, when he says you must be born again, he says, because I have to give you a new nature or a new way of thinking about things, lest you remain a taker, a getter. Here's one last one. In 2 Peter, as far as this new nature we have, 2 Peter chapter 2 Chapter 1, verse 2, two through 4, Peter calls it the divine nature. 
And here's what he says in verse number two. He says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge. There it is again. You cannot know worship until you have some information. He says, grace and peace be added to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse three, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by the glory and virtue. By four, verse four, by which we have been given, which has been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, these promises of new life that comes through the regeneration of being born again by putting faith in Christ Jesus, by through this promise that you have, you have been made a partaker of his divine nature. So we go from being getters and takers to givers. Well, you may say, and I'm, I don't have this to show you. You may say, Pastor, I got a lot. I have a lot of resources. I have a lot of resources, and sometimes it's hard to know what to give. I want to give you something because the reality is that there may be some of us that do have a lot of resources. And I don't have this to show, up, show for you, so if you're going to have to turn with me in your Bible, turn, if you would, to 1 Timothy chapter 7. I'm, I'm sorry, chapter 6. 1 Timothy chapter 6. There's just three verses here that I want to share with you because it helps every one of us to know that we are in, we're in this thing together. Look what he says. Look at verse 17. He says, command those who are rich. Understand that this is Paul sending a letter to the young pastor, Timothy, who's there pastoring the church in Ephesus, and he's giving him instructions for the church. So when he says command them, he's talking about command those who are in the household of faith, who are believers. He says, command those who are rich in this present age not to be haughty, walking around trying to splash and, and floss and show how much you have, uh, holding dinner parties at your big mansion so that people can see all that you have and having to have the best of the best of the best best. He says, not to be haughty, nor to trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. Look what he says in verse 18. Let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Because no matter where we are in the spectrum, God compels us to, to, to bear out this nature of who we are. So, my last point, when we give, we honor God. We're going to get back to, the, to, to finish this text out because we start with verse 9. We started with verse 9. It says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit. You can turn with me back over to Proverbs chapter 3 so I can close this out. 
Verse 9, it says, honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase. I'm going to go through these really quickly. I've got these three definitions to put up before you. And what I've done is that I've, I've taken multiple translations of this passage and, eat, and, and some of them have given a, used a different term or translated the word uh, that, that translated into worship into different terms. And so the first one, so first thing is possession. Possession, anything that possessed or owned, I think we understood that, or our property. Substance, the King James uses the term substance. It, the essential part of anything material, possessed, property, resource, or wealth. And then the NIV NASB 1995 and the New Living Translation all use the word wealth. So you just plug those different terms in that text where it says, honor the Lord with your substance, your wealth, or your possession. But here's what I want you to see, because the New Living Translation said something that I thought would be helpful for us to understand the context and the intent of the text. It says this, it says, honor the Lord with your wealth, and here it is with the best part of everything you produce. Because see, sometimes what happens when it comes to God, we give him what's left over. After we've taken care of everything, we say, okay, God, let me, let me break you off something. But he says, honor the Lord with the best of what you have. So that leads me to my final word for the day, and I'm, almost, and I'm done. Following God's directives bless our life or blesses in our life. So this whole passage starts out at verse 1. In verse 1, uh, the, there, there, there's directives that are being given to say this is going to bless your life. So when we get to verse number 8, I want to start to verse 8 and I want to work backwards from there. Because at verse 8 it says, it will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones, that when we follow God's directives, it's a blessing to us because that's when you look at verse number one and you work your way down, you find that that's how this proverb begins. It's, it starts to say, hey, remember these things, that, that these directives that you have. But here's the key for all that we're saying today, because if we're going to God, honor God with our giving or God honoring giving will do a few things. There's four things I want to list real quick, and we can find them right here in the text. God honoring um, giving is going to require, first and foremost, you're going to have to just trust God. Look at verse number five. It says, trust the Lord with all your heart and lean out on your own understanding. So first and foremost, when it comes to giving to God, we have to start with our trust in him. The next thing we see is that it's going to require us to commit to fulfilling his purpose. Look at verse number six. It says, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he's going to direct you. So we've got to commit to doing it God's way. When it comes to giving, we've got to say, God, I'm committed to do it the way you want me to do it. Because it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him. Giving to God is not a head decision, it's a heart decision. Several years ago, my last story of the day, seven years ago, several years ago, my wife and I were praying about, we, we felt like maybe we, we were feeling compelled to homeschool. And, 
at that time we had two salaries. She's got a master's degree and she's working and she's got a career we're going. And, and, and she, she comes to me, she says, I think God is compelling. I've been praying about this. And we started talking about it and praying about it. And so the first part of that was, what are we going to do? If you ain't working, we got three babies and we're going to go to one salary. We start praying like, okay, God, we get an answer. We feel like that's what we're supposed to do. And now we're out there. The first thing we had to do is commit at that point. God, no matter what comes, we're going to do it your way. That we're going to continue to honor you in our giving. And she's sitting right there. She can tell you we've never had our lights turned off. We've never missed a car payment. We've never missed a mortgage payment. And we've been on 13 cruises together. Because we committed to do it God's way. Here's the next thing. The third thing that, 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 that God honoring giving will require is going to require you to abide in his truth. Because at some point, you're going to start to waver and wander. Should I keep doing this? Look at verse number seven. Do not be wise in your own eyes. It says always reverence the Lord. Fear the Lord. That word fear speaks of his reverence. Always honor him. Make sure that when evil comes in to try to get you to get off course, you resist it. The fourth thing that God honoring giving, and the choir did a masterful job of saying this. Look at verse number 10. It says, when we honor God with our giving, we're going to reap God's blessings. Verse 10, it says, so your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will overflow with new wine. It says that because of your heart's commitment to honor God, he says God will honor and bless you. I speak of the cruises because that's a bonus. The other stuff we needed. We just love cruising. I love cruising. If you ever wonder what you want to bless me with, bless me with a cruise. <laughs> And no, we don't go on there and get all tore up and drunk and laid on. We see it happening, but we ain't in it. We're there for the relaxation and the appreciation of the experience. So we want to know what's going on. Because honoring God, he's going to supply need. He's going to take care of you. But it's the bonus and here's, let me, let me say this, and I, again, I'm not saying this because we just love doing it, and we, we don't mind taking the children with us. And they've been on 11 with us. Why do I share that? Not, not to boast, I really don't. Because if the word says that God will bless what you're doing, I'm telling you that someone has to testify that he it does work and that it does actually happen. That wraps up another awesome word. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. 
If you would like to join, contact us, or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, be blessed.